Welcome to our Sunday message, Sunday the 21st, August 2022. Let's just begin by reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 1. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven. Well, let's just pray ourselves. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word that we share. May your word achieve that which was purposed. May we yield to you, Holy Spirit, as you give utterance, and not only give utterance, but give us eyes to understand, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, and our ears being anointed to hear, and our heart willing to obey. Thank you that no weapon formed against this word will stop it from achieving that for which it was purposed and that no force of darkness will interfere with anyone from receiving this particular instruction, whoever might be listening, within the sound of my voice. We ask this in the wonderful name of Yeshua. Amen. We have this little incident where the disciples ask the Lord, teach us how to pray. The title of this message is really Learning How to Pray. And it's quite instructive that the disciples probably saw how he prayed and realized that there was a connection between his prayer, his prayer life, and the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And they realized that they needed that. So they asked him, teach us how to pray. Now the point I'd just like to make right here is that prayer is something we can learn. You aren't born as a Christian with an automatic ability to pray. Yes, we can pray, but it's something like all the skills in the Bible can be developed. We won't be teaching on the Lord's Prayer as such, which is what he goes on to explain. We have talked about that before. But what we're talking about now is more general principles. Let's look at a very similar scripture, Matthew 6, verse 7. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, and verse 7. Well, let's just take it from verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly I say to you that they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner therefore pray. And he goes on to teach what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Now, what we want to learn here is that prayer can be learned. It's something that we can develop. There are certain fundamental principles that we need to understand if we hope to develop our prayer life. It is a lifestyle. Important to notice is that it's not a mere process of going through a whole lot of words. That's what the Lord was teaching you. Don't get caught up with vain repetition. Vain meaning of no use whatsoever. And repetition going through the same thing over and over again. Ironically, the very prayer that he taught to a large extent, in many Christians' lives, has become exactly that, vain repetition. 
We were very good at this at the church school I attended. We had chapel every day. And part of the whole routine was to recite the Lord's Prayer, which we gabbled off by rote in English on Monday to Friday and in Afrikaans on Wednesday. It meant absolutely nothing. Well, in our teaching on the Lord's Prayer, we explained that that prayer is a series of guideposts for us to pray around. But we haven't got time to go there right now. The point is, though, that prayer is something we can develop. But we must first answer the question, what actually is prayer? You see, what is prayer? Is it just something that Christians have to do? Is it something that's written down in the hymn book and you recite? Well, you see, if we have that approach, we're missing the point completely. And when we miss the point, that's when we get into the weeds, as it were. Now, the point that has to be made, and it comes from the scripture. You see, the Lord said, when you pray, don't do it publicly. It's not a public event. Go into your room, pray in secret. And the key to this whole thing is that prayer is actually part of what Christianity is all about, and that is relationship. Christianity, at the end of the day, from beginning to end, is relationship that you and I have with Almighty God. Isn't that wonderful? You and I can have a relationship with Almighty God. Janet was listening to a teaching by somebody who actually had the privilege of being taken up to heaven. Strange to understand, but he was a complete atheist when he went up there. And not so strange to relate, when he came back, he was an ardent believer. Amen? But one of the points that he made is that, though he had been a sinner all his life, he stood before the Lord, and the Lord looked at him as if he was the only person in the whole universe. Can you imagine that? As if he was the only person in the whole universe. He was struck by that. Who am I, sort of thing. Well, isn't it wonderful to think that we too can look at the Lord and he looks back at us as if we were the only person in the universe. That's the kind of relationship that he wants to have with us. And you see, prayer is a very important part of that. Because every relationship, human relationship, they only grow and develop if there is communication. You see, the two ingredients that are needed for any relationship to grow, and every relationship should develop, actually. You can't just have a relationship that stays in one place. If you have that, it's actually dying. But you see, for any relationship to grow, there must be two things. Time spent together and communication. And that, I think, is the best definition of prayer that there is. Prayer is developing our relationship with Almighty God by spending time with Him and obviously talking to Him. So, you see, if we understand that, we are positioned now to pray properly. Let me just say this, that we can learn a whole lot about prayer, but at the end of the day, the only way to develop our prayer life is the same way that you and I learn how to ride a bicycle. We have to get on the thing and do it. You see, and the more you and I pray, the better our prayer life will become. Please note that every one of us, because we have an individual relationship with Almighty God, will have a different prayer life. We have to each, as I've said so many times before, work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. You see, so my prayer life will be different from yours and everybody else's because my relationship with the Lord is unique as is yours and everybody else's. Amen? So you see, it's important to know that this is 
integral part of developing our relationship with God. And you see, once we know that, we're ready now to develop it. Let me just say something else about prayer. Just as in relationships with other people, you don't communicate with somebody in one way. In a relationship, there's time for friendly banter, as it were, for serious conversation, for teaching, for any kind of interaction, you see. And the same is with prayer. What we have to learn is that there are different kinds of prayer. And we have to develop all these different kinds in our own particular way. There are general principles, of course, that are a general application. But the manifestation, the working out, is an individual thing between you and Almighty God. And it's really beautiful if you think about it. Now, many people, generally speaking, and Christians as well, make this big mistake. They reduce prayer to simply asking God for stuff. I've heard atheists use this as an excuse. There was one lady who actually I taught in Sunday school many years ago. She came from a fine Christian home and she was doing well in the early stages of her Christian walk. But she fell off the bus. And I remember communicating with her and she said to me, you know, I know there's no God because he doesn't answer prayer. Maybe you've heard somebody say that. There isn't a God because he doesn't answer prayer. One atheist boast on the internet, he said, being proved that prayer doesn't get answered. And so because it doesn't get answered, there can't be a God. Well, I beg to differ. And I can't see how anybody can say conclusively that prayer doesn't work because that would mean he had spoken to every single person that ever prayed and they had said to him, no, it doesn't work. Absolute opposite is the truth. Many people have had answers to prayer. But you see, the mistake these people are making is that they've reduced prayer simply to asking God. Now, asking God for stuff is part of prayer, but it's not the only prayer. This very same lady that was complaining that God never answered prayer, I remember her mentioning, putting a post on Facebook actually, where she complained to her husband. I don't think it's a good thing to publicize your relationship with your husband on Facebook, but anyway, she complained that he didn't communicate with her, didn't spend time, didn't talk to her anymore. You see, he wasn't doing it at that stage. Maybe this Facebook ploy was a way to get it right. I don't know if it worked. But you see, that same person was complaining that her husband didn't communicate with her. At the same time, was saying, well, God doesn't answer my prayer. God doesn't answer my prayer. Can you see the mistake? She had taken relationship out of the equation. And can I be honest? The two go together. If you and I don't cultivate a close relationship with the Lord, He can't answer our prayer. Very often, we won't get an answer to our prayer, but we'll look at that later. The point I'm trying to make is that in developing our prayer life, please understand there are different kinds of prayer, and every kind has a different level. And you and I, to grow our relationship with God, need to spend time developing all these areas of prayer. Now, there are so many different types, it's impossible in a short session like this to cover everything. I'm not even going to try. But what I am going to do is just highlight a few. The first one is what I like to call conversational prayer. It's something that I encourage us as a church to do on a regular basis. Conversational prayer is exactly that. Just chatting, just having a talk, as I like to call it, a fat chat. This is the very start of your and my prayer life. 
as with any relationship, just getting to know. And as we get to know, we just share ourselves, you see. And God loves that. He loves it when you and I, wherever we may be, be it walking to the shops, driving to work, cooking a meal, spend time just chatting to Him, you see. And that's the start, conversational prayer. Just speaking to Him as you would speak to some person, a normal person, to speak to Him. He loves that. Can I just add that? You see, you and I also need to learn in this conversational prayer to give a bit of space to hear what he's saying back. Believe it or not, God likes to chat to you and I. And it's wonderful as we develop this capacity to hear what he's saying. And there's this back and forth. It's very encouraging. Something that helps me a great deal is what we call journaling. That is taking a piece of paper or a book or a journal as such and writing that conversation out. Praying by writing, actually, and waiting for God to speak back. There's been many occasions when I've found myself in a tight spot, not knowing what to do, and by simply spending time explaining the position to God and giving Him a chance to speak back to me, His narrative has helped me through. I've got the necessary direction that I've needed, and things inevitably come right. So you see, that's something to practice. Don't wait for a tight spot before you do it. Do it every day. I would encourage us all to do it every day. Now you see, this whole business of speaking to God, you might ask, and this is the thing that many of these atheists and cynics, prayer cynics say, well, why bother? You see, because it says there that why pray? Because he already knows what you ask. No, no, um, yes, it says there in Matthew 6 verse 8, Therefore do not be like them with vain repetition, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. You see, now people say, well, if He, ha he knows what we need, why bother to ask Him? Can you see that? Why bother to ask Him? For some reason, He requires us to ask. And with God, if He requests us to do something, there's always a very good reason for it. I think one of the answers is to be found in 1 John 5, verse 15. You see, we are supposed to be asking God, but that is not all prayer is about. You see, 1 John 5, verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. You see, the key to it is knowing that he hears us. And it's all got to do with faith, you see. God must have faith for him to operate, as we've said so many times. An effective prayer is all about that, giving God faith. And you see, that's where relationship comes in. When we've cultivated a relationship with him, and in our prayer life, when we ask something, there comes that place where we just know that he's heard us. We know that we know that he's heard us. And when we come to that place, you see, then our prayers get answered. I mean, they see there's conversational prayer, which very often leads to Asking prayer. 
right? It's very important to ask without ceasing, to keep on asking. We release faith when we ask. And please notice something. Every prayer is heard by God. You might say, well, I've prayed now, I don't have to pray again. That might be true. But you see, as you and I pray, something happens in the Spirit. The Bible describes how prayers are collected. Our tears are collected in a bottle. If we go to Revelation 5 verse 8, it's quite an interesting scripture. At the end of the age, you see, when God suddenly pours out of his great spirit on all flesh, you'll see something. Let's go to Revelation 5 verse 8. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. You see that? Golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. It goes on to describe that they sing a new song, and then the time comes when those bowls are released onto the earth, and mighty things happen. That's the grand scheme of things. That's the grand pattern. But in a small way, just think about it, every time you and I pray, every time we make a request to God, we know that he's hearing us, that prayer is collected by God. And in a sense, when there's sufficient prayer, sufficient faith, God is able to answer. You see, that's the process. So it's important to continue praying. As the Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 to 19, pray without ceasing. All right, so there's this conversational prayer which spills over into, obviously, request. Making our requests known to God. Right? Making our requests known to God. So there's that private prayer that you now have. Let me just say something that although there is a time for personal prayer, a great time for personal prayer, there's also a place for corporate prayer. Also a style of prayer when you and I get together with the body of Christ and we pray. Now, this is not praying in public to be seen by men, which the Lord warned against. Not at all. It's when we gather together with the saints, and in a sense, when we do that, our prayer is amplified. You see? It's another dimension. It's something we also have to learn. That's why in our church services, I encourage people to pray, to pray aloud. We have conversational prayer in a gathering. Every time we do that, what's happening? When people share, they pray, they ask God, we speak to God as a body, as a family, we build up one another's faith. You see, there is a place for corporate prayer. There's a corporate anointing, as they say, which is capable of doing much more than when we do things on our own. Obviously, it's completely separate from our personal devotional time with him. The two are connected, however, can I just say that? If individuals in the body have a close prayer life of their own, when we get together, our prayers are very powerful. Collective prayers are very powerful. In the reverse, you see, if we learn to pray with the body of Christ together, that helps us when we get on our own. So there's different kinds of prayer. There are two categories. There's the private prayer, there's the public prayer. Let's look at an instance where this public prayer had great, great effect. Acts 4.31. Let's just go there quickly. The book of Acts, or some people call it the gospel of Acts. It's Acts of the Holy Spirit. Acts 4 verse 31. And this is the occasion where 
the apostles had been threatened, you see, to keep quiet, to not talk about this man, Yeshua. Anyway, they all gathered together. They started to pray. They put together, I think, a prayer, probably wrote it out. Let's read from verse 27. For truly against your holy servant, Yeshua, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Yeshua. All right, so they had been told, expressly commanded, not to speak in that name, but they said your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Yeshua. You see, they decided to do exactly opposite to what they were told to do. And when they had prayed, notice they had prayed. It was a joint prayer. The place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Amen. Wouldn't that be lovely? We get together and pray in a certain place and the whole room begins to shake. That would be a prayer meeting not to be forgotten. Amen. But you see, there is power in gathering together to pray. Also, when we gather together to pray, there's something that's also very important. And you see, there are certain things that God wants us and expects us to pray. Let's just look at one of them. 1 Timothy 2 verse 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, we'll read from verse 1. Therefore, this is Paul writing to Timothy, who was taking over the Ephesian church. I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Saviour, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Right. So you see, we are instructed when we gather together to make a priority of praying for the leadership of our nation, for the governmental authorities, for the purpose that we might live a quiet life, a peaceable life, where there's law and order. Because please note something, when there's law and order, that's when the gospel can be proclaimed, when church can grow, etc., etc. It's part of God's heart. Amen. So you see, we exhorted to do that, and that's something we do publicly when we get together. Once again, not using vain repetition, not doing it to be seen by men, but doing it collectively before God, crying out for our nation. And thank God there are many people in our nation that do that. I know of churches that spend all night praying for our country, and praise God for them. Thank you that our prayers are answered. Amen. There's also prayers of thanksgiving. Now, it's important to realize something, that these prayers aren't supposed to be totally separate. You don't say, okay, well, I'm going to do conversational prayer now, I'm going to do thanksgiving now, or intercession now. They're supposed to flow one with another. Let's look at another scripture before we close. Philippians 4, 6-8. This is really a very good prayer and a way of praying. And it's a very helpful understanding to have as children of God. Okay, it says there, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, 
let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Yeshua. You see, when we make our requests known to God, it's very, very important to combine it with thanksgiving. Let me explain it this way. If a parent has a child, and whenever the parent sees the child, or the child sees the parent, the child starts to ask for stuff, for things. That will put a great burden on that relationship. You see? In the same with God, if you and I, when we pray, we hit our knees and we start asking for stuff. Yes, we do have to ask for things. But you see, we need to ask with thanksgiving. And that thanksgiving is thanking Him for the answer. Asking in faith. Believing that it's going to happen. And that because we're asking, our God will hear us. You see? It's almost like when you bake a cake, you've got to put all the ingredients together. You mix them together, you see. You don't have just flour. You've got to mix them together. With thanksgiving, make your request known to God. You see, that's a wonderful antidote for anxiety. The moment you now feel anxious about anything, what is God's recipe? Don't let anxiety get hold of you. Go into prayer. Ask God for the answer and give Him thanks. You see, that mixture is a sure formula for success with God. Always thanking Him and asking in faith. You see, asking in faith and thanking Him for a positive outcome. Giving Him thanks. So when the devil comes with the problems of the day, we respond by saying, thank you, Lord, for answering our prayer, for providing that need, for healing that disease, for doing whatever has to be done. And we just thank you for it in advance. If you and I can cultivate that response, you see, we become very powerful people. And I can guarantee the devil will soon back off. One other consideration to put into the mix when we consider praying and asking for things is found in James. Let's just quickly go there. James chapter 4 from verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. You do not have because you do not ask. Do you see that? You do not have because you do not ask. We must ask. However, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. You see that? Asking amiss. Now, what we're trying to say is we're learning how to pray. It's important to get our prayers answered, you see. And as I've said, effective prayer comes out of relationship, you see. And this scripture is warning us against looking at God almost like an ATM. You ask because you ask amiss. Because the motive is just to get your and my desires met, you see. That's not a good way to approach God. Not that he doesn't want to help us, but he wants us to ask with the right motives. And you see, part of that whole thing is, yes, there is a big place for asking what we need. The Lord's Prayer says we must ask for our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. It's really important. God's concerned about us. But you see, as we've been saying, prayer is something that develops. As Christians, we need to develop. And then we need to understand that prayer moves from just being about us and Him. And it becomes very much a means of helping others. We're talking now about what the Bible describes as intercession. 
intercessory prayer is a whole teaching on its own. It's a whole realm of its own. But you see, you and I, as we mature as Christians, need to come to the place when, when we pray, it's not just about us. You see, maturity moves from us to other people. And intercession, very simply, is when you and I go in between. The Lord is our intercessor. He stands the right hand of God, interceding for us, forever making intercession. He's before God, and he represents us, you see. He's our advocate. In the same way, you and I have the privilege, as children of God, to be advocates for other people. And you see, your and my prayer life really takes off when we start to use it to pray for other people. Once again, there's a whole realm of intercession. There's praying in the Spirit, praying with the understanding. We haven't got time to go into all these wonderful things. But just be aware that prayer is not just about getting on our knees and saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. All right? There is a place for making our requests known unto God. But for that to be effective, we have to cultivate a proper relationship with Him. Very often it's good to ask him, what can I do for you? Not just what you can do for me, you see. And that's what relationship does. And if you and I cultivate that relationship with our prayer life, that prayer life becomes more effective. And the closer you and I have drawn to him, not that he doesn't hear every prayer that we pray, but we are more confident that what we pray is heard by him. And as we've read, when we know that he hears us, we are confident that he, in time, will answer our prayer. I trust this is a blessing to us, and that we all grow in our prayer life as we walk with the King of Kings. Amen. Amen.